0: Non sun condigne passionis use temporis, ad futuram gloria. The sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Canon, very dear faithful, Our Gospel today, for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, is taken from St. Luke, It is that of our Lord preaching from the boat of Simon Peter, after which he encourages them to cast their nets out into the deep. You know this passage well. They draw enough fish to fill two boats. Over the course of the three years of Christ's public ministry, the first pope turned out to be an outgoing optimist who easily overestimated his own faith. We know that St. Peter had a profound love for our Lord and often expressed it excitedly. We remember well his defiance at our Lord suffering the Passion because of the rebuke that our Lord addressed to him. His distress at this impending suffering revealed his profound love for our Lord. It took until the triple denial in the courtyard of the High Priest's palace the night that Jesus was seized by the temple guards for St. Peter to realize the depth of his weakness and the extent of his confidence in himself. Only then did he come to a complete trust in God. After understanding the extent of his very human misery and insufficiency, St. Peter learned to have a great confidence in God. Let us look closely at these two ideas from today's Gospel, a great confidence in God and an acute awareness of our misery and weakness. These two ideas of the Gospel are closely related in that it is by being aware of our nothingness that we are able to put all our confidence in God, and, moreover, the greater this confidence in God, the more we can be convinced of our nothingness. In today's Mass, in the introit, we heard a cry full of hope, "'The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?' We know that our Lord is always before us in the blessed sacrament, that he comes to us in Holy Communion. Nothing, it seems, can separate us from him. Therefore, we have no reason to fear any failure. Yet we are aware of our weaknesses, our failures, and infidelities. We need to humbly repeat the beautiful prayer of the Gradual: Save us, O Lord, and pardon our sins. Help us, O God, our saviour, for the glory of your name. In spite of the continual help of divine grace, in spite of so many confessions and communions, we have to acknowledge new failures every day and begin again. The struggle is arduous and painful, but in today's episode, St. Paul reminds us the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the glory to come that shall be revealed in us. Even though this thought is one of consolation, hope, and confidence, it does not prevent us from longing for freedom and complete redemption. This is what the apostle experienced when he said, "'We also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, "'even we ourselves groan within ourselves, "'waiting for the adoption of the sons of God, "'the redemption of our body in Christ Jesus. "'The more we suffer because of our wretchedness, "'the more we should turn to Jesus "'with full confidence in the power of his redemption.'" Today's gospel passage relates an incident early in our Lord's public ministry, after the wedding at Cana. In reading this passage, we can take note of the love and admiration of the people for Jesus Christ. Even after he healed many of them, they would cling to him, seeking even more. His whole appearance must have been overflowing with grace. When he spoke, they listened in silence. Our Lord sought to avoid the glory that they wanted to give him. Therefore, he separated himself from the crowd and climbed into the boat of Simon and Andrew, went out a little into the lake, and preached to the crowd from there. He was anxious to reach all of them without avoiding them. Such is his kindness to his people. He showed more of it in asking Saint Peter if he could use his boat the condescension of the Creator, bending down to respect the free will of his creature. This is how God is with us, too, in our lives. He respects our free will. St Augustine tells us that he who created us without us will not save us without us. He waits for our cooperation. Seeing that they had been unsuccessful our Lord told St. Peter to put their nets out again. The first Pope pointed out, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. But not wanting to disobey, he says, at your word, I will let down the net. Their catch was so large that it astonished the experienced fishermen. There is a mystical sense to this by their own work, they were unsuccessful. Our efforts in the spiritual life to overcome a sin, to get rid of an attachment, to forget injuries, to adapt ourselves to our neighbor's way of doing things, to subject our will to another's, are often unsuccessful and result in empty nets after a whole night's worth of work. This should not be a cause for discouragement, In today's Gospel, we see that upon listening to the divine command, the apostles were able to fill the boats. Saint Ambrose explains that this was possible by faith in our Lord. If we can humbly acknowledge our failure before God, instead of giving into annoyance, our failure itself will soon turn into victory. After admitting publicly that he had taken nothing At the word of the Lord, St. Peter had an abundant catch far beyond his expectations. St. Therese of Lisieux explains that Jesus gives as God with divine generosity, but he insists on humility of heart. Being experienced fishermen, St. Peter and all the apostles recognized immediately that their catch was miraculous in nature. When Christ commanded them to let down the nets, the multitude of the fishes taken was just as great as the Lord of the sea and land had willed. The voice of the world is the same voice by which all was created at the beginning of the world. Saint Peter, in particular, was alarmed and troubled at this time because he could remember the sins he had committed himself. Recognizing that he was unclean he believes it impossible that he can receive God on his boat, God who is purity himself. He had learned from the law to distinguish between what is defiled and holy. For this reason, speaking for all of them and also for us, he fell to his knees, saying, "'Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man.'" In spite of our good will to advance in virtue, Our Lord will not permit us to have any success until he sees that we are thoroughly convinced of our own weakness and inability. He said, after all, without me, you can do nothing. To give us this conviction, he lets us, as he led St. Peter, to work all night without catching anything. Afterwards, as he sees our growing awareness of our poverty, and our willingness to admit it openly, he will come to our aid. We must then have great faith in him, never allowing ourselves to give up through lack of success, knowing that our difficulties are only temporary. Every day, relying on his word, we must begin again. If we have learned not to trust in our own strength, we must also learn to have complete confidence in our source of divine aid. If we have not made any advance, we must ask if we lack unshakable confidence in Jesus. Besides being displeasing to Jesus, this deficiency paralyzes our spiritual life. Let us repeat with Peter in a similar cry of confidence, in verbo tuo laxabo rete, Lord, at thy word, I will let down the net. Let us repeat it every day, every moment, without ever growing weary. We are called to abandon our worldly ways of living and thinking. Just as he called the Apostles into his service, he calls all of us to leave the world and follow him. Take note that the Apostles were called to be fishermen in the Church, though of a different sort we can say that their lives were transformed by Jesus Christ. We too are called to this kind of transformation. Saint Paul speaks of the glory that awaits us in today's episode. He points out, as we saw at the beginning of this homily, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to that glory. In humbly acknowledging our failure in our way of doing things, and responding to the Lord's call, we too will be transformed in time to enter Heaven. Each and every one of us is called to this sanctity in our lives, to allow Christ to transform us and to bear witness to this transformation. St. Francis de Sales tells us in the Introduction to the Devout Life, when God created the world, he commanded each tree to bear fruit after its own kind And even so, he bids Christians, the living trees of his Church, to bring forth fruits of devotion, each one according to his kind and vocation. A different exercise of devotion is required of each. The nobleman, the artisan, the servant, the prince, the maiden, and the wife. And furthermore, each such practice must be modified according to the strength, the calling, and the duties of each individual. It is an error, and even more a heresy, to seek to banish the devout life from the soldier's guardroom, the mechanic's workshop, the prince's court, or the domestic heart. Indeed, this is possible even in our modern era. While we are still living on this earth, we are called to allow Christ to change us. In his transformation in Christ, the philosopher Dietrich von Hildebrand points out that God has called upon us to become new men in Christ. In holy baptism, he communicates a new supernatural life to us. He allows us to participate in his holy life. This new life is not destined merely to repose as a secret in the hidden depths of our souls, Rather, it should work out in a transformation of our entire personality. For the goal which the gratuitous mercy of God has called us to attain is not merely a moral perfection, qualitatively identical with natural morality, allowing its supernatural meaning only to a super additive gift of grace. The gratuitous mercy of God calls us to Christ's supernatural wealth of virtue which in its very quality represents something new and quite distinct from all merely natural virtue. That you may declare his virtues, who had called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, says St. Peter in his first epistle. Almost all the prayers of the ecclesiastical year refer to the succession of stages that leads from baptism, imparting the principle of supernatural life, to our actual transformation in Christ, to the full victory in us of him whose name is holiness. There is a great difference between the natural virtue of modesty an objective awareness of one's own limitations and the supernatural virtue of humility, which, as exemplified in St. Catherine of Siena, makes us rejoice over the fact that God is everything and man is nothing. What an abyss separates the natural warmth and friendliness which a good pagan possesses from the ardent, burning, supernatural charity which characterises the saints. This is the Christian difference. This is the glory that St. Paul speaks of in today's episode. We can have a glimpse of this glory here on Earth if we allow Christ to transform our lives. The bar for us Catholics is set high. It is certainly daunting, but St. Paul tells us the sufferings we have to undergo are nothing compared to the glory that is to come. Let us acknowledge, as St. Peter could, our weaknesses and failures. Let us ask our Lord for his help to have an unshakable confidence in him then he will transform us and make us ready for this heaven. For this reason, St. Paul encourages us to supernatural hope, knowing that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.